Welcome to The Last American Vagabond. I have a very important show today planned. It's in discussing a conversation that is just in every possible conversation anywhere under the sun, even though seemingly unrelated to most of it. And that is in regard to the climate change conversation. And I, I, there's, there's a lot of discussion being had around this and the overlaps. And I wanted to bring on somebody that I, I greatly respect, as you all know, and somebody who's been researching this topic for a really long time and really kind of throw some of this at him and get his perspectives on where this all really lies. Because there's so much information around this topic. And I've done my research on a lot of it, but it's such a deep topic. It's, it's important to bring someone into this that's been doing this research for a very long time. And that, of course, is James Corbett. How are you today, James? I am doing great, Ryan. Thank you for having me on. And I even remembered to unmute my microphone when I started talking. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, always making those mistakes myself is what I was saying, <laughs> not you. But... <laughs> Me too. Me too. Right, right. <laughs> but it, it, I'm glad to have you on today because, you know, I think you and I have even talked about having this exact discussion for a while now just because of how obvious this is being used. And, and, and my audience knows my opinion very well. But it, I, I've, I point out my shortcomings in, in this topic all the time. You know, there's a lot of scientific discussion here that, that I, that I will happily point out that it's, it's, you know, a lot of it's above my head, things that I haven't researched a lot. And so I wanted to have you on to kind of dive into this and suss out some of the, the core points of this. But the first thing I want to just get into right out of the gate is, is ask you in general, like, cause there's a lot of battles between high, you know, people, scientists and, and politicians, in your opinion, based on your research, are we dealing with a global emergency when it comes to pollution and hurting the planet are we dealing with a climate emergency neither or both of them what, what do you think where, where's you where do you stand in all of that well thank you for teasing that out it is important to do so because uh, i think that is deliberately being conflated that there is this pollution problem what kind of pollution specifically carbon dioxide and carbon dioxide as it turns out is the global thermostat that is moving the temperature of the entire planet up or down so that it, it should all be about limiting carbon dioxide expenditure, right? Right. Okay. We're all agreed on that. Now let's move on. No, right. uh, we have to tease out those separate strands exactly as you did there. Mm -hmm. Yes, humans are doing bad things to the, the planet and the environment and polluting and releasing dangerous chemicals and toxins and, and all sorts of things out into the environment all the time. Absolutely, that is a problem. In fact, yes, an emergency, especially when we start getting into the absolute insane chimera cross-species genetic engineering and all of this craziness that is now being released into the biome willy-nilly. That is a genuine emergency. Uh, mm -hmm. But carbon dioxide is not the global thermostat. It is not the uh, the thing that we need to concentrate on unless unless your plan is world domination. So let's get the bottom line first, because there's a million details to get into. But here's the bottom line, which is that this has nothing. The, the whole climate, oh my God, we've got to save the earth by stopping carbon dioxide, has nothing whatsoever to do with saving Mother Earth. It is explicitly, and in the words of the very people who are promoting this myth the hardest, it is an economic transformation that they are engaged in. It is a political mm -hmm. and societal transformation that they are engaged in. It is a great reset that they are engaged in. Uh, it is. It has nothing whatsoever to do with an environmental emergency. 
Well, so this is really interesting, especially for those out there who are, this is the first time they're hearing this because they're being told exactly the opposite from every possible angle from all channels under corporate media conversation. So let's flesh out that first point then in regard to carbon. And then like if we could include like the nitrogen part, because they're kind of being used simultaneously mm -hmm. in what's yeah. going on today. What is the real factor there because i know i mean carbon is obviously central to the functioning of life on this planet i mean nobody can deny that so their argument is essentially that the too much of that to make it a crude point is hurting the planet essentially rising temperatures which you know whether it's hurting directly or creating things that then hurt the people so what is the real reality of that is, is you know go ahead and just right okay excellent so let's start even with just the dumbing down of the terminology, which is one sign that we are being led down a propaganda path, because of course, mm -hmm. we're not talking about carbon dioxide. No, we're talking about carbon, which of course mm -hmm. is scientifically, I mean, that that's a scientifically illiterate point that, that has mm -hmm. been inserted as a talking point. It's about carbon and your carbon footprint and all of this, as mm -hmm. opposed to carbon dioxide, which is specifically what we're talking about. And one could speculate that perhaps even that has been done manipulatively to get people to conflate carbon dioxide with carbon monoxide, which we know is genuinely poisonous. And if you are in a carbon monoxide saturated environment, you will suffocate and probably die. So yes, uh, we should be afraid of a carbon monoxide rich environment, maybe not carbon dioxide. And that mm -hmm. has to do with a lot of things. I mean, again, even uh, NASA and NOAA and these other organizations have come out and stated that the world is greening as a result of this increasing level of carbon dioxide. Um, there's so many different points to make here. I mean, there's a million different directions that we could go with this. We could talk about things like equilibrium climate sensitivity. We could talk about the saturation point of carbon dioxide and whether adding more after a certain point actually increases oh. the, uh, the greenhouse effect that carbon dioxide has. Um, we can talk about the uh, concept of the global average temperature, how that is measured, the four different data sets that are constructed, not recorded. This is not some sort of thermometer that scientists are checking every day. It is a constructed data set. In fact, there are four main data sets that are used that uh, construct the temperature data in different ways and come up with different results, which right away should tell you that there is there is possibility for some manipulation going on here. Do you think that's happening? It certainly is. So as Steve Goddard and others have pointed out, there is um, concerted and, and observable, uh, not just an attempt, I was going to say attempt, actually they are cooling the past and warming the present in the data temperature record. So that what, for example, NASA and JPL and these other groups were saying 30 years ago about the temperature in the United States in the 1930s is different than what they're saying today about the temperature in the United States in the 1930s. They are reconstructing the temperature to make it colder in the past and warmer in the present so that it will line up with the hockey stick graph that I'm sure we're all familiar with, constructed by Michael Mann, which, oh, by the way, as scientists found out when they got into the uh, into the nuts and bolts of the, the actual statistical model that he was using, you could feed in literal uh, what was it called? Red noise, just literal random generated data, and it would right. generate a hockey stick. So yeah. um, hmm, I wonder if something is going on here. So there's there's literally thousands of points to be made here and scientific details to go into. And if people are interested in that, I would highly suggest they check out 
on CorbettReport.com. I have links to, um, for example, I did a questions for Corbett not too long ago called All Your Climate Questions Answered in 60 Seconds, ha ha ha, in which I pointed people to literally dozens and dozens of articles, videos, interviews, podcasts that I've done on these subjects and interviews that I've done with people in this space over the course of the past 15 years. Uh, I also, as I'm sure your audience will be aware, I recently was on uh, Derek Bros's Activation mm -hmm. podcast talking about this and literally dozens and dozens of links to scientific articles and things uh, demonstrating these points. So there's, there's so much to say on that regard. But mm -hmm. as I say, I think we have to keep this focused on the bottom line because, right. okay, great. Everyone has heard their entire life, the sort of mainstream propaganda narrative, carbon dioxide is the global thermostat, we have to limit it. And oh yeah, nitrogen is pretty bad too. So now we have to start, oh, closing farms in the Netherlands. And the latest that I've heard about that is they're now going to attempt to shut down 3,000 farms in the Netherlands right. in the middle of this food supply chain crisis that uh, was wargamed out by John Podesta and the likes of that several years ago, the food, right. uh, the food chain reaction game that mm -hmm. Ice Age Farmer has talked about and others. I'm, I know you've covered it on your show. Um, just incredible crisis after crisis that is being generated on the back of this crisis that we're supposedly responding to. Um, it, in, in every case, it's used to ratchet up the tensions. Now, mm -hmm. if you really want to step back and take the big picture, look, everyone in your audience presumably by now, knows the nuts and bolts, dirty details of the last three years of absolute lie after lie after lie that we have been sold in the name of trusting the science. And as you have demonstrated day in and day out, that trusting the science is uh, uh, just a complete misnomer because, of course, there is no the science and the science right. that is being promoted is not science at all. And the right. actual scientists are being censored and uh, basically algorithmically manipulated out of existence. Do right. you think that might have been happening with this global warming scare that we've been hearing about for decades now? And the fact that every single governmental institution, every international institution, the United Nations, all the mainstream media, everyone who is anyone is on board with this agenda. Do you think it might have something to do with the other political agendas that were uh, being manipulated into? Well, ding, 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 you're right. Mm -hmm. Because now what we're starting to see is literally the tying of the thread together of the, 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 the scandemic and the climate emergency are being woven together into this fa fabric, which forms the perfect cover for the Great Reset agenda, as has been talked about by Klaus Schwab, for example, in his Great Reset book, talking about mm -hmm. how clim the climate emergency is, a, is another integral part of what we should be responding to with this great reset but more to the point we're starting to see doctors diagnosing patients of dying right. of climate change right oh yeah oh you had you had that heart attack because of heat stroke which was clearly be due to climate change it has nothing to do with anything that we're injecting into your bodies these days guys nothing um, we're also prove. seeing more and more of the trial balloon being floated for climate lockdowns because we know how well lockdowns have worked for the scandemic emergency. Now we've got to start doing it for the climate. And you better believe that's going to be at least on the table as something they're going to start pushing more in the coming years. 
Yeah. I mean, this is despite the fact that even I think it was National Geographic and a few others came out and were clearly like after the hype about how the lockdowns reduce carbon. And here's the proof that this is the right way to go. They were like, well, not not really. Actually, it didn't do what you said. It, you know, the same kind of points we're making now is that it's more narrative than anything else. <clears throat> and the point you made about the 1930 data changing. I mean, it's just so frustrating how often this can happen. And the 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 real question to ask, especially if you think they're being honest, is, well, couldn't they just be wrong this time, too? You know what I mean? Like, can't we at least acknowledge that they could, if they're wrong for that time, they could be wrong this time. Regardless of it, the point is, I think, I think a lot of this is reaching people to the point to where they're like, wait a minute, like I'm kind of questioning this stuff more than usual, which is kind of where I think this is so important, you know, but, but all that overlap. And I do want to get into specifically the great reset kind of COVID overlap and, and, you know, where you think that all of this is really about, but to, to kind of bring it back to carbon again in general or CO2 that, so what is it really that is so car, obviously carbon dioxide or carbon specifically is necessary for life, right? So where's the line there? Like, how do they define, in your opinion and your research, the line where this becomes a negative thing? Because I, there's plenty of highly regarded experts out there that are saying, for one, if they if they even remotely do what they say they're going to do, we're going to see a dramatic reduction in life. Arguably, you could say that might be the point, but that's not what they're saying. So can you explain that for people, like how that is possible? Well, again, there are multiple points to make here, one of which is that, yes, carbon dioxide levels as me measured in the atmosphere are increasing. They have been increasing for at least the past century of somewhat mm -hmm. reliable records on this. Um, so we know that the parts per million of carbon dioxide have increased. How, however, um, there is actually genuine question as to the uh, what the mechanism of that is, because there are other aspects that feed into carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, including ocean temperature levels, how much the oceans are taking in as a sink or uh, expelling as a uh, carbon uh, dioxide emitter. Um, that can that can vary naturally as well. And anyway, we do have records going back. Uh, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, ultimately millions of years of carbon dioxide levels being vastly different than they are today, including times in which carbon dioxide levels were right. much, much higher than they are today and during ice ages. So it is right. not, right. again, carbon dioxide is not a simple global thermostat. Mm -hmm. Having said that, um, I, one of the really absolutely core central key questions to all of this that you would think again if this is about trust the science total 99.999 percent consensus guys nobody of who's anybody disagrees with this you would think that the absolute bare minimum scientific fact they would have absolutely hammered down by now is the question of uh equilibrium climate sensitivity ecs look up this right. term it is uh, uh, essentially what it is saying is if we double the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, so if we're at 400 ppm today, if we go to 800 ppm, how much of a temperature increase would we expect from that? Because carbon mm -hmm. dioxide is, you know, with the greenhouse effect, all of this, blah, blah, blah. Add, it seems simple and straightforward. Add carbon dioxide, the temperatures go up. Uh, but to what extent will they go up? Do we, do we have a measure on that? Because there are many, again, many factors that go into that, including, as I said before, the idea of saturation. Uh, there may be a point at which the amount of energy that is being trapped by carbon dioxide uh, in the atmosphere at, at that particular wavelength that carbon dioxide traps 
um, that may be saturated in the atmosphere and adding more carbon dioxide will have no effect, et cetera. So right, there are many right. factors that go into this. So the, the fundamental calculation is equilibrium climate sensitivity. Now this for years has been a big sort of question mark and the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, intergovernmental guys, this is not the International Scientific Union Panel of Climate. No, it is an intergovernmental panel on climate change, which is an important part of this. But they, for years, have had a very wide range of potential equilibrium climate sensitivity. Well, if you double carbon dioxide, it might go up 1.5 degrees to 4.5 degrees Celsius, somewhere in there. We don't know. And uh, they've attempted to narrow that window. But in fact, just recently, just in the, I mean, it's been an ongoing dispute for many years. But even just recently, there was another paper that came out that said it's at the very, very lower end of that window, if not below it. Um, so maybe if you double carbon dioxide, there may be less than 1.5 degrees of warming. But this is important because when you're here, because all we ever hear at our level of the, the bottom level of the propaganda pyramid, hearing the garbage gutter swill nonsense from the mainstream propagandist uh, mockingbird liars that we know lie to us about everything, they will tell us just the, the, the takeaway of what we should know about this is that, oh, they've got this Paris Climate Accord in place. And if everybody meets all their reduction targets and blah, 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 then we can keep warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius by the end of the century. But if we don't, and so it's all about this magical 1.5 degrees, which they admit is totally plucked out of thin air. Right. It, there's no scientific basis to why this is 1.5 degrees is the target. And, they, and there's no scientifically agreed basis as to how to achieve that because we do not know equilibrium climate sensitivity. So <laughs> there is nothing about this that is truly rigorously scientific. It is all, all narrative. And once you start to really drill down on that, and please, please do not take what I'm saying at face value. Please start right. checking this. And when you start checking on Google and what have you, they will inevitably send you to the, the, the debunker quote unquote sites that'll fact check. Well, actually, no, the, the climate skeptics, the, the deniers will say blah, blah, blah about equilibrium climate sensitivity. But in fact, so go, yes, please go and read that. And also maybe right. use another search engine, maybe look at some alternative sites, maybe go to my site and start to look at some of the links and references that I have. And I try to link even NOAA and NASA and these mainstream public uh, institutions as much as possible, because a lot of this is actually coming from them as well. But anyway, please inform yourself about this. But once you do, once you get to that level in which you realize this is yet another scam that is being perpetrated, the real question then is, well, what is the narrative? Why? Why are they doing this? And I think there's some pretty, some pretty obvious answers to that, but we can get into that if, you, if you'd like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it, well, that's definitely what we're going to get to at some at the, in this discussion. But I think the interesting part about this, though, is the agenda is clear, right? I mean, at the very least, I would argue it's 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 undeniable that some of these people, if not most of them, believe their own. Like, there's people that buy this, like the average people that, in my opinion, aren't really even that well informed in a general sense. The politicians and the media, a lot of them actually believe this is what's happening, but. I get it comes down to the same point that it doesn't like what you just said about the information. I mean, you point this out very well in a lot of your work, whether we're talking about the population bomb or any of these discussions, they have this 
they'll just put out a date and say, this is when it's going to happen. And when it doesn't, they just go, well, now it's this date. And, and it's incredible. Same thing with the COVID discussion. They're, they're screaming, trust the science, but it's very quickly becoming clearer and clearer that it's never been rooted in science. And so it just blows me away that this continues to happen this way. So the real point is about what they're actually trying to accomplish is what you were, were getting at before we get there though. So is there an overlap with this in regard to, there's a geoengineering aspect of this that I want to get into because there's a lot of people discussing another angle to this in regard to whether this is being done intentionally to drive the action, which is something we've talked about a lot. You know, here's a problem, wait for the reaction, and then here's what we're going to do. And it's all planned beforehand, right? And then whether or not there's a difference between just having the carbon or carbon dioxide in the atmosphere increase versus the rapid nature in which that changes. And if there's a difference there, and, and I think that's kind of what you were just talking about, right? Right. Well, it's the old it's the old uh, uh, skeptic canard of weather is not climate. Well, I agree. Weather is not climate. That's right. But they, of course, generally only point that out when it gets really cold in the winter and people start saying, <laughs> where's this global warming you're talking about? And they'll say, well, weather is not climate. But then when it gets really hot in the summer, there will be screaming headlines everywhere in the MSM. See, this is what global warming looks like. So they like right. to have their cake and eat it too. But yeah, no, weather is not climate. So we have to separate out these weather events that take place from the idea of a global climatic uh, environment that we're in, which, I mean, there is sense to that because there are ice ages and then there are mini ice ages and deglaciation events and all sorts of, I mean, yeah, there there is a global climate that happens that is more often than not, and I think more more obviously, commonsensically, if that's a word, um, tied yeah. to the, the grand cycles of the, the Milankovitch uh, cycle and things to do with the sun and mm -hmm. uh, our, our relation in the solar system. Uh, you, you know, the, the, the gigantic ball of energy in the sky that provides the energy for the planet Earth may have something to do with our climate, and don't you think? We're talking no. thousands. No, it's carbon dioxide, guys. And we're talking thousands of year cycles is what you're referencing, right? Like very exactly, long. Yeah. The, yeah, I, I right. think the Milankovitch effect is like a 20 something thousand year cycle and right. it goes in different stages. Anyway, yeah, these big ice ages and things that have, have happened in the past when there were no people driving SUVs, you know, people, <laughs> right. people weren't eating meat millions of years ago, but there was ice age, right? So, right. well, people weren't eating. Anyway, whatever. Um. So, uh, yes we have to separate the weather out from the climate. And so in that regard, yes, geoengineering is a thing. And Absolutely, it yeah. always, as I pointed out many times, it boggles my mind every single time it is ever reported on in the mainstream. It's as if this brand new crazy, you won't believe this wacky <laughs> idea that scientists have for cloud seeding. And let's tell you about it as if this isn't the eight hundred thousandth time you've heard about it in your life and oh right. by the way it's been going on since at least the 1940s yeah it's i mean again there's obviously some psychological operation manipulation propaganda going on there right um but to what end obviously to try to cover up the extent to which those types of geoengineering technologies exist and to the extent to which that they're they are being deployed and mm -hmm. so we know that you know, since the 1970s, at the very least, 60s, I think, was when they started, um, can we direct hurricanes? What what else can we do with this? The United Nations has a weather modification treaty saying, don't we, you know, as signatories of this treaty, we won't attempt to modify the weather for warfare. 
why would they pass a treaty like that unless that's possible and by the way that was decades ago and do you really think that's not going on they've openly talked about things like oh you know well if we caused a drought in iran that would probably bring down the regime there so yeah. why don't and then we, when iran accuses israel of doing that that's all fake news oh sorry that sounds like there's a delay sorry i just exactly. I think, exactly. yeah go ahead <laughs> and then and then yes and then you get John Brennan literally up there talking about, well, actually, it might be a good idea to spray chemicals in the atmosphere so we can block out the sun to, for global warming. But again, when we talk about it, wow, that's crazy talk. Right. So, again, there's clearly, absolutely, yes, there is weather, weather modification, geoengineering that is possible that, to my mind, is a much, much greater pressing environmental threat than car the release of carbon dioxide. To, so... To to, in, in your mind, to what degree do you think some of these things, and, and I know this is hypothetical, but I mean, it, so we know it's clear that that's something that is already happening. Even the Brennan thing, they act like, well, no, he didn't say it's happening. He said it might happen, but yet they still call it conspiracy theory, even though he laid out what they might do, which means it's real. So it's just so stupid. But at the end of the day, it, it what to what degree do you think this might be being manufactured? Like, and not necessarily like we pointed out in the beginning, the genuine problems that let's say the largest polluter on the planet, the U.S. military, are playing part in creating but rather the extreme weather events or whatever else we're talking about and and do you think that that is being done intentionally or you know what, what are your thoughts on that whole pl ploy there right extreme weather events i think each one that happens it should at least be on the table for discussion was this mm -hmm. manipulated in some way and if so how and i remember way back 10 plus years ago now um we're covering fukushima and how it started to come out that, oh, by the way, uh, there was there was interesting ionospheric heating activity that was taking place over Fukushima before the earthquakes. And, and, and um, well, not over Fukushima, but the Tohoku or whatever. But, mm -hmm. but then they came out and said, well, this may be actually, you know, a phenomenon that's something to do with the shifting of the plates that causes some sort of ionospheric reaction. And it might be a predictor of earthquakes and what have you. Or, you know, it could be the ionospheric heaters like HARP and others that are deployed all over the planet. I mean, exactly. but at any rate, that should at least be on the table for discussion, should it not? Yeah. Um, as well as any given hurricane, given that we know that, they have uh, they have done experiments in the past and the extent to which you know obviously it's going to be under lock and key the 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 full extent of that technology but to direct hurricanes this way or that well why mm -hmm. are they doing that to direct things away from you know direct hurricane katrina right. away so that it doesn't cause massive damage or things along those nature or maybe they were doing it so that it did cause massive damage right. again this this discussion needs to be on the table but i think the the sort of the macro picture um, it, uh, if the discussion is, oh, geoengineering is is causing this climate emergency, uh, the climate emergency, not weather events, but mm -hmm. climate emergency, changing the global climate. Well, I, again, I think we need to parse out the actual evidence for that, because as I've pointed yeah. out before, the perception of extreme weather events, I, again, because we are, live in a 24-7 um, news feed era in which we're constantly getting information from every part of the world, which we did not. Even a few decades ago, we were not living in this media-saturated saturated environment, so we were not uh, aware of every single typhoon taking place on the other side of the planet, every single hurricane, every mm -hmm. tornado event, every earthquake. Uh, to the extent that we are now. And so people's perception of extreme weather events is certainly much magnified, but the actual reality of them, 
uh, again, I've cited this before, but tornadoes, hurricanes, uh, uh, all sorts of different ways that you can measure this, uh, wildfires, droughts, they are all at historical averages or actually trending downwards. So again, what's the perception that we are going on and who is feeding us that perception that suddenly we are in some sort of unique environment that we've right. never experienced before? Well, and like you said, going back to that point about, you know, whether and, you know, again, including whether these are being created to create that perception, the difference between just whether and whether or not we even have a climate emergency. Right. Like, like I just important to make sure the audience, mm -hmm. you know, the pollution and the, 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 the destruction of species like these things are happening, but it doesn't necessarily translate into a climate problem that needs to be stopped like we're talking about. But I, I guess one of the questions I want to ask before we move on to the next point is. So do you, like, hypothetically, let's say they move forward like they are <laughs> with the actions to try to remove carbon, carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, and they are successful in doing so to the degree they say, do you think that will cause the very problem that they say they're trying to stop? I'm sorry, you broke up a little during your question. What was the tail end of that question? No worries. So basically, the, the short of it is that do you think that if they achieve what they're saying they're trying to achieve by removing carbon to the, the level they're saying, do you think that will cause the very problems they say they're trying to stop? Uh, I don't know if it's as simplistic as that. I think that mm -hmm. honestly, that CO2 just provides the most convenient tool in the toolbox for um, the manipulation of essentially productive human activity on the planet, because there is no there is no way that we can construct the civilization that we have and operate it at the level that we have without the fossil fuel, which, as I'm mm -hmm. sure many in your audience know, itself is a problematic term that uh, probably is has some big questions. Yes, it's all crushed up dinosaur bones, guys. That's what oil is, and that's where it's coming from. But anyway, the fossil fuel uh, problem. Uh, it it uh, again, it goes back to the the sort of the fundamental questions of why why is there such an emphasis on carbon dioxide? And it's because right. as uh, as uh, the recently deceased, rest in peace, Tim Ball. Uh, I, I remember him telling me way way back, fifteen years ago, in some of our first conversations, that essentially. Um, if you've got sort of the engine of productive economic human activity on the planet and you want it, you are some sort of technocrat that wants to stop that engine from functioning. Well, you mm -hmm. can turn off the engine, but that that might be difficult and people will notice what you're doing. But you can just plug the tailpipe, plug up the exhaust and stop the uh, the engine from functioning. And that seems to be the uh, the mechanism that they're using mm -hmm. to do that. So I think it is more about. Uh, the the sort of the economic societal effects because it is the perfect excuse to control everything you do where you travel how far you're allowed to travel what you're allowed to eat absolutely right. everything when when uh, when where, where and how you can purchase it is such a perfect technocratic tool of control that if the carbon dioxide emergency didn't exist they would have had to invent it oh maybe they did oh. There you go. Right. Exactly. Well, and one last quick thing about this, and then we could talk about that exact point, the, the nitrogen part. I forgot I wanted to go back to that even just for a moment. So what, what is the connection sure. there to that? Like, it's weird that they, so you made a great point there, but you know, it's all focused on the carbon, carbon dioxide, yet this is just included yeah. now in this conversation. So what's, is that just because it aligns with reducing the well, food supply? And that's how I seem to look at it. But, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Because yes, certainly carbon dioxide is not the only 
greenhouse gas. There are many greenhouse gases, including um, uh, in the production of uh, solar panels and things like this. There are a, a number of um, materials that are needed that are the lithium, for example, that is mined and uh, from uh, for the lithium ion batteries and other things in these horrible, destructive events, truly horrible um, environmental damage that's being done in the name of these right. green technologies, but also releasing other types of uh, gases that are much more potent greenhouse gases than carbon dioxide is. In fact, the most, just by volume, the most prevalent greenhouse gas in the atmosphere is water vapor. But again, <laughs> the idea that clouds and cloud formation might have anything to do with the climate system is just seen as this fringe thing by the respectable people. But then um, scientists that are attempting to point out how solar uh, radiation forms clouds and how that might be a, a sort of feedback system that is having an effect on global climate. No. Oh, that's crazy. No, it's all about carbon dioxide. So they have been concentrating on carbon dioxide precisely as I say, because it provides the convenient um, sort of leverage point for the technocrats. But yes, nitrogen is another greenhouse gas. Sure, absolutely. And it, this it, it's certainly a pollutant. And why is the focus, why are we now focusing on this? It is precisely, precisely because it provides another convenient in for this agenda. And what is, so what is the solution to this problem? Of course, it's, well, we're going to have to start shutting down all these small farms and we're going to impose all these, I mean, of course, it won't be that simplistic. It's just that they'll introduce all sorts of regulations and taxes and things that will be absolutely un unmanageable for the average small independent farmer. So you'll have to, I mean, big ag will be able to do it. They have teams of compliance lawyers and they can spend any amount of tax and whatever, be making sure they're in regulation, uh, in bounds with the regulation and small farmers will get kicked out. And, oh, by the way, who's the largest farm land owner in the United States right now? Oh, it's Bill Gates, of course. Right. I just grabbed this since you mentioned it. I, this is I was looking at earlier, and this is the one you were mentioning. The comp and it's they're talking about a compulsory purchase, so like eminent domain style kind of thing, and just taking three thousand farms to comply with EU regulations. You know, I mean, so the interesting part about this is to jump, you no, know, just jump into the overlaps with this, both with the COVID nineteen agenda, and of course, which your work is the only reason that I think I'm connecting all these dots with transhumanism. You know, this idea with right where this seems to go. And so if what you're saying is correct, and I think scientifically backing up what you're saying is easy to do, that it's, it's almost hard to miss that they seem to be chipping away at the things that are allowing life to exist. And yeah. I mean, is it really that simple? I mean, you know, it's, it's go, can you overlap? Very, very, very long term. I think you're right about that. But that's mm -hmm. probably too far for a lot of people to see, especially at, and at, trust me, I know that this issue in particular, questioning the climate religion, genuinely gets some of the most vociferous feedback that I receive. I would be a much more popular um, person in the <laughs> podcastosphere if I just did, didn't, didn't talk about this or just went along with the flow with it. But I will not. I will not shut up about this because I genuinely see this as the inflection point for the technocratic agenda, which, as you know, is tending towards transhumanism. But you're right. It is right. essentially an attack on life itself, right. life in on in the environment. And that connects in with the Malthusian idea, mm -hmm. which itself is this anti-human agenda that is at the heart, unfortunately, has taken over the environmental movement to a large extent. And people don't understand that, yes, there is there are genuine environmental problems we genuinely do need to be addressing. But when it becomes this sort of anti anti-human and even anti-life sort of agenda, that's right. where you have to start to uh, 
to, to question it. And you raised uh, the specter earlier of, say, the limits to growth. Um, the Club of Rome report from the 1970s of, oh, my God, we're running out of everything. By the year 2000, we're going to be out of everything and uh, it's going to be horrible, um, which uh, I, I would strongly suggest if people haven't seen. I did a questions for Corbett on are there limits to growth where I mm -hmm. went into the nuts and bolts of the actual model itself, how it was mm -hmm. constructed, the suppositions and that it was working on. And oh, by the way, that turned out to be completely erroneous and everything it predicted about the year 2000 was wrong. But don't worry, guys, they just adjusted the results by just doubling the amount of resources here and changing the numbers there arbitrarily. And hey, look, now we're on track for the 2020s will be this time of crisis. And hey, here we are. And it's a time of crisis. And then you get Vice.com and other reputable news organizations like that saying, see, they were right all along, guys. It's just absolute lie on top of lie on top of lie in service of a deeper, as you say, a deeper agenda that is fundamentally anti-human and um uh, you don't have to step out on the limb for that the anti right. uh the uh, the voluntary human extinction movement the uh, the fact that fewer people are more people are saying that they are not having children because they are concerned about the climate and things along these lines it really starts to drift in that direction because if humans are causing the problem What's the solution? Get rid of humans. Oh, exactly as the Club of Rome wrote about in Limits, right. uh, not Limits to Growth, in uh, the first global revolution published in 1991. If if we're looking for a, a global problem caused by humans, well, global warming fits the bill. It certainly does, doesn't it? Right, exactly. And I was just talking about this with uh, Richard Grove of Grand Theft World in regard to, you know, the origins of the Great Reset discussion. I mean, all of this stuff all intermingles, you know, and and the interesting part about it. And you're right. I, mean, I maybe shouldn't have jumped right in transhumanism from that point, but, but it's the most obvious overlap to people that I've seen. They're really paying attention to all these connections. Yeah. But yeah, but you're right, though. I mean, you can see how all of this, even from the coronavirus discussion point of view, the biosecurity state, it's very clear that from every angle right now, you're very human weakness is what they're trying to put they're, they're highlighting in every way and trying to so, you know solution right we're trying to figure out how to figure out ways to go ahead all right let's let's connect those dots a little bit so mm -hmm. here's here's one way to connect that agenda so we see that this agenda is now bearing down on small independent farmers and food producers even at this time of food supply crisis you know the world is on a knife edge it could devolve overnight millions billions around the globe could starve if things go the wrong way and they're trying to shut down farms for eu environmental regulations and trudeau's trying to bring it in in canada what's going on well again what are the implications of this let's follow it through so okay so let's imagine they get what they want and it's a big ag world in which only the biggest of big ag corporations essentially can um are in charge of the food supply and where where do we know that they want to take that particular agenda. Well, let's look at the biggest far farmland owner in the United States, Bill Gates, and what he has been investing in for years now. The uh, um, Is it Impossible Foods or Beyond Meat? Uh, one of those yeah, synthetic... Not, yeah, I think both actually, right? Construction, maybe both of them, I don't know. He's, mm -hmm. he's invested in that agenda anyway. They want to literally replace the food that we're eating. And of course, the bugs are a nice transitionary step. If they can get you eating bugs, they can get you eating anything, right? And... What's the next step towards that? Well, even bugs. I mean, it's slightly better for the planet, planet if you eat bugs. But it would be so much better if you ate this goo that we cooked up in some vat in some industrial production facility. Don't worry. It's full of all the nutrients that we've decided that you need. Um, again, mm -hmm. the fundamental 
one of the most fundamental things about our us as organic beings that we need to consume in order to continue to live. And they're trying to control what it is that we are even eating. Um, why? Why is that? Where is that? Where is that agenda going to take us in the future? And how can we as I mean, you are what you eat, right? How how can we be engineered by things like this? The 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 replacement of our food supply from organic actual real material to this synthetic constructed chemical nonsense from a lab you know yeah. and, and so extend that out and you start to see how oh well we could be being engineered into some other sort of not quite human species right well just just artificial life i mean that's the idea about creating that because that removes these weaknesses but the point that really sticks out to me is the, the it's the same direction in all these things whether we're talking about the mrna which is actually mod rna which is modified just a modified organism all of these things are with the meat they're genetically modified the organisms. software or, of life right 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 or just the bill gates overlap going back to the whole gmo debacle right that did not pan out right that's the crazy part to me is that he the mm. whole thing india's more food scarce insecure than they were before that whole push and yet we're, we're watching them do the same thing you know it, it's just mind-blowing but all of it leads to the you know supplanting of the human or rather just the life element with something that they can create themselves and you know i just i don't see how people can't see that as an undermining of life in general but then when you see the very right next step of the people talking about eugenics and the co the overlap with the transhumanist mindset i mean i think the word transhumanism is what kind of scares people away it's mm. obvious these people talk about you know like the elon musk style the brain machine interface the idea of trying mm. to create sentience like the ai stuff they they everyone knows they talk about that so remove that word from the conversation but that's the same thing we're talking about in my opinion, let me right? let me just uh, underline what you were saying there, because, again, this is not something you're going to hear on sort of the daily news, but you will hear it on, for example, the Defender Children's Health Defense. 50 groups target Bill Gates on farming and technology. You are part of creating the very problem you name, talking about exactly that, talking about right. the G GM agenda that has been foisted on Africa and other developing nations that is not. Having this miraculous, wonderful, oh, it's feeding the masses effect. No, they are saying, no, this is not helping us. We don't want your help. Thanks, Mr. Right. Gates. But exactly, yeah, he is creating the problem he's talking about, which may be part of the point. But yes, exactly right. So transhumanism is, uh, again, it may sound crazy. It may sound sci-fi. Sci it may sound out there. But fundamentally, what this is about is, uh, let's let's try this nomenclature on for size, the biodigital convergence. You might remember, it's a couple of years ago now, the uh, government of Canada was releasing that document about biodigital convergence, talking about mm -hmm. the imagined future where essentially uh, everything, what is, the, what is the line? What is the dividing line between organic life and synthetic silicon-based technology? You know, where, where is that line? And once we start embedding things in us and start changing our genome a bit and we start constructing these artificial organisms that are maybe or have organic matter in them but they're gen they're constructed by a nanotechnology you know where where's the where's the line and where why do we have this icky line of the divide between organic life and synthetic life it should just all be this one thing and that i think is the fundamental distinction that they're desperately trying to break down in people right now because that is yeah. the that is the vision that is the perfect utopian technocratic vision of the future that we are going right. to literally control everything because everything will be if not 
completely artificially constructed synthetic life, at the very least, we'll be able to engineer it any way we want down to the genomic level, and we'll be able to construct reality, anything that we want, and it'll be wonderful. What could go wrong? Yeah, if that's not already happening behind the scenes, which is what I tend to think how this goes, where they introduce something once it's already been tried 13 times around, the, you know, every which way they can. But yeah, I, I think that that's the next logical step is into the technocratic part of this, which is the middle step between all of what we're talking about. And that's the great reset kind of overlap. And what's incredible about this is we keep pointing out Klaus Schwab and these people just touting all of this publicly, right? Whether it's before COVID, during COVID, you know, the middle and now the whole every single step of this pointing out that where we're going to be is where we, you know, the point being is if we point this stuff out online the implantables, everything they're saying is part of where we are. That's fake news, conspiracy theory. And they're literally rolling it out in real time, you know, and this is the fourth industrial evolution conversation. And I think that it's impossible to miss. Charles Lieber and his virus sized to transistors. And then he gets ends up getting arrested for his cooperation with uh, China and his involvement in Wuhan. But don't, what are your thoughts on that? Since you bring that up, that is such a fascinating part of all this to me because of the, the, he was like the literally like the world's leading guy on this topic, virus sized transistors that, you know, and then all of a sudden he just gets shuttled away. And, and then, you know, like, is that maybe what we're dealing with? I mean, what are your thoughts about that? I know we're guessing here, but what are your, why? It is speculation. I, yeah, I cannot say, as you say, um, generally when they're rolling out some sort of propaganda campaign to the public, it means that there is something already prepared, something in the wings, something that may already be going on, something that's been tested. So unfortunately, yes, I do not have the, uh, sort of the insider here, here it is guys, here's exactly what's been going on, but, but we can certainly speculate that this agenda may be a lot further, uh, advanced than than it has been let on. But even what has been let on, even what we know on the public record, hey, that virus-sized transistors article in the Harvard Review or whatever it was, uh, is mm-hmm. 11 years old. I think it came out in 2011. So right. yeah, this this research has been going on for a very long time into uh, essentially the, um, the blurring of that bio-digital line. And where, you know, how can we insert synthetic things into your genome? How can we manipulate what's going on how can we manipulate the software of life right yeah right there it is harvard magazine 2011 yep charles lieber i mean it just there it's just so strange how this wasn't really discussed even when this was such an obvious like the china overlap right like why wouldn't the part like everyone's screaming about china bad guy not jump all over that and they did do a little bit but then it just got very quietly put away and by the way i'm seeing studies coming out and revol- involving this stuff using his work even having charles's name on new studies so there he's apparently still in the mix it, it doesn't even make sense right but ultimately i think the real like again the point is that we don't know what that ultimately means but it's obvious to see that there's far more going on than we realize. So let, let's let's finish talking about the great reset direction of all yeah. of this and how you think right. this actually. Yes, here's a point that I wanted to make because remember mm-hmm. during the craziness in 2020, 2021, uh, I can't remember exactly when it was, but the World Economic Forum even had that tweet that they put out with the video of, "Wow, isn't it so beautiful? All these lockdowns and look at how the environment's going to be helped by this." Right. And they and they had to pull that tweet because people were going, "What the hell? No, this is not good." But right. yeah, imagine imagine if they tried pulling that tweet on, say, the people of China right now. Isn't it so wonderful that you're locked inside of your burning apartment building so that children are being literally roasted to death, uh, uh, screaming for help because no one will come and break down the doors because your apartment building has been blocked off due to COVID lockdown? Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? No, this is a horrible, anti-human, 
agenda. And only, only, this is the, the, the craziest part of it. Only technocrats that have really drank their own Kool-Aid and truly believe to some extent of what they're saying would even be able to envision that. How could they possibly put that out in front of the public and say, hey guys, isn't this wonderful? Don't you love it? No, no, we don't love being locked inside of our own homes at the behest of some technocrat that's basing it on the science, which we know is fraudulent top to bottom. No, we don't like that. And yeah, we're going to get pretty angry about it. Oh, they're angry. Okay, let's pull our tweet. Um, uh, again, I, I, always, uh, I always assume that people know I shouldn't assume. So people who do not know, I want you to research the history of technocracy. This as an actual movement that arose specifically in the 1930s, but it is a real organization, a real idea that co was coalescing at that time. And please turn to the works of Patrick Wood. He's at Technocracy News. Um, he's written books on this. I've done interviews with him. I've talked about it on my podcast, but there's a lot of info about the technocracy movement. And I recently did uh, a questions for corporate where I looked at a bit of the technocracy study course. So this questions for corporate is called what is technocracy? So I show you in the technocracy study course, them talking about what this is ultimately aiming at. What is technocracy? It's not just rule by a techno technological elite, although that is the way they kind of framed it and sold it to their members. But when you dig down on it, it is essentially is fundamentally about an economic monetary transformation where we are dealing in these dollars and yen and pesos and whatever. But no, 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 that's not how we should really order the economy of the earth. No, it should be about resources and we should have a resource based economy. And in that resource based economy, we're going to have the technocrats decide how much energy the nation, the technate, actually, in their, their ter terminology, needs uh, in order to produce what we decide the technate needs. And we will, uh, so we will allot and distribute exactly that amount of energy in the form of energy credits. And we'll distribute this to everyone like a universal basic income, essentially. And everyone will get their energy credits and they'll be able to spend them however they like on what, whatever we decide the technate should produce. And then uh, once you're out of credits, well, you're out of luck. So, you know, I guess, starve to death, I don't know. Um, but then uh, uh, that will be this perfectly balanced economic system and it'll be Shangri-La, yay, blah, blah, blah. So that was that was literally the core of their real idea. And that that is, I think, the thing that ties all of these various threads together is that this is, if uh, at base, this is about a, a monetary structure that will be used for total right. control of every person. And we see that coming. And this is the thing that ties all of these threads together. The climate, uh, so-called climate emergency, the, the Great Reset technocratic idea, um, and the, uh, the CBDCs, and right. the social credit system. And all of these things converge at this point where it will be about, as, as Herr Schwab has has said himself, it will be uh, about the the, uh, the combining of your biological and digital identity. Right. Right. Once they have that centralized into a digital ID that will be the hub for everything, for your CBDC and for your uh, vaccine passport and everything else, that, that will be the way that they control everything about you, who you are, what you do, who you interact with. It will be controlled at a centralized level. That is the, the sort of the golden dream of these technocratic schemers. And the climate emergency is one foot in the door for that agenda. Hmm.
As well said, I, I, this brings to mind Catherine Austin Fitz perspective on, on where this is all going and the overlap of the digital ID, the social credit system, the vaccine passport, you know, right. And, and it's, this is a very clear picture right there. And it, it really does drive us all in this very clear direction. I mean, I was almost going to say to get into exactly that social credit conversation, but I feel like what you just said right there is a perfect way to just kind of pin that for people that want to look more into this work. Because exactly what you said, it ties it all. It's perfect. Ties it all together. And I think that the most concerning aspect of this is that it's happening in real time right in front of us, despite the fact that most of what they're using to stand on has already been shown to be false, has already been shown to not really even have the scientific sound grounding that they said it did. And yet it's still going forward, which to me suggests some kind of endpoint or some kind of time frame that they're shooting for that they like usually we see them kind of go whoa okay people aren't taking it we're gonna we're gonna readjust and we'll slowly come in from another direction but yet it still continues in a really aggressive manner so you know i guess give me your thoughts on that on Absolutely. the way out of the why. yeah and and so let me let me help if people are interested in this again this is not just hot air this is not rhetoric there's a lot of research to this so if you right. go to corporatereport.com type in g fans g f a n z for you Americans, Zed for every other English speaker, um, into my search bar. And you will find some of the work that I've done on that, including an interview with Whitney Webb on the topic. I've done articles on it. I've uh, talked about it in New World Next Week, the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero, which is mm -hmm. trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars of investable ca uh, capital that they have amassed into this pool that they're going to use for specifically sustainable investment, blah, 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 hot air, which is really about the creation of natural asset corporations which is mm. itself another way to try to monopolize more of the Earth's resources, again, in the name of saving Mother Earth, guys. Um, I've written about absolute zero, which was this uh, net zero isn't far enough. We need to do absolute zero, as in no carbon carbon emissions, as they would say. And how do you do that? Well, you're going to have to end essentially the construction industry as we know it. You're going to have to end international shipping, um, international travel. You're going to have to, and they were talking about all these things as if this is good. This is, this is how we're, you know, airports will close in the United Kingdom by 2030 and all of this crazy stuff that they're writing in these white papers that they're passing, they're passing among themselves that are out there in the open. But again, who's reading them? Um, right. And I have also uh, released a three-part How BlackRock Conquered the World um, article right. series, part three of which goes specifically into BlackRock's um, Aladdin artificial intelligence uh, or what they call artificial intelligence, learning algorithm, uh, stock picker, essentially, that is now controlling more, potentially much more. We don't know how much because they don't tell us anymore, but over $20 trillion in uh, capital is now being managed by this AI system that uh, BlackRock is running. And what are they using it for? Well, Larry Fink in his annual letter to CEOs this year, it was all about the power of capitalism by which he means the power of capitalism to uh, create these ESG funds, which will right. be used to shuttle more money into these particular endeavors. So there's there's an entire financial, which will ultimately be a monetary changeover that is happening right now, kind of in front of your face. And right. we have Mark Carney as this UN ambassador for climate finance and all of this like crazy stuff that's kind of out there and, and we know about it, but Again, who's looking at this? Who's reading these white papers? Who understands what it is they're constructing here in order to create the edifice for this coming technocratic future, which will be about that digital ID control grid? Uh, 
It's yeah. so I, much that you can only sort of gesture here and there and get into the right. nitty gritty details one at a time. But uh, once you start to see that fuller picture emerging, it's um, it's nightmarish, but it's also, shall we say, motivating for people who yeah. understand that we don't want to be moving in this direction. And the only reason really fundamentally we are moving in this direction is because enough people have bought this propaganda. Enough people believe, truly believe that it's about saving the earth. And, oh, if I, if I have fewer children and if I, if I don't, uh, if I don't travel so much and if I stop eating meat, then what the earth will be better. And uh, it's those sorts of ways that they psychologically hook people into essentially going along until they find themselves in a system that they wouldn't have in a million years, they wouldn't have put themselves in that uh, system unless they were led along step by step. So I'm trying right. to be the circuit breaker here and go, wait, no, it's a lie. They are, look, they are leading you to the slaughter pen. Do not go to the slaughter pen. Um, right. I don't know how to put it any more blatantly than that. I tend to think that a lot of people are, at least either tell themselves or are convinced through the propaganda that this is something that's not happening tomorrow, right? This is a discussion about 30 years from now, right? Or, you know, that's the kind of the way they play this where it's like, don't worry, you know, we're just informing you now, but go back to sleep. It's all being done for you and it won't happen right away, but it is, it's happening right underneath us in on top of us right now. You know, and you, as you point out, I mean, we could have an entire show about ESG and the conversation about what that means and how it works. There's so many points to tie into it or how they're bastardizing that very concept so they can keep using nuclear weapons and gas. You know, it's just, it's so ridiculous, but it, it's, it's so important, as you said, to make sure people are aware of how, what, what it's doing right now. And, and really to add to that, how people involved in this even are either accidentally or willingly coming out and essentially pointing out the reality, the Bank of International Settlements or the I forget the guy who came out and said, this, the, you know, why would anybody want these CBDCs like we already have Venmo? Like, you know, the whole point about how it really just is more control. And that's all it's really about, you know. And I, I think that that's everybody needs to look into the work that, that James has been doing and the work that anybody's been doing around the, the you know questioning these core ideas. And I, I think that the, the fourth industrial revolution has been discussed for a long time. Klaus Schwab, the overlaps to all of it. And they're literally telling you what they're going to do. It's just about whether you have the ears to hear it and you're paying attention and you choose to do something about it. That's why I'm, I'm glad to have people like you on the show, James, because you make me feel sane when <laughs> we can see this at the same time. But, uh, you know, anything else you want to leave us with before we uh, put a pin in this today? Did I lose you? Uh-oh. Lose you right at the end. Uh, you're, again, you're breaking up a little, but I think you're asking me if I have anything else to add, to which I will yeah. just say, again, there's so <laughs> much to go into. So please just check my uh, corporateboard.com. I have all sorts of information on this. And I will continue to swirl around these subjects because as you see from today's conversation, they all sort of connect in. They're all swirling around the same central idea of controlling humanity um, uh, in a centralized way and ultimately transforming humanity. So I will continue to cover these subjects. I, I am continuing to ring the alarm bell. And on the note of, well, what do we do about this? Again, that's why I think that the sort of solutions focus and what can we actually do about this agenda is absolutely the core of what we should be thinking and talking about. So I'm going to continue doing my Solutions Watch series, and I always invite 
um, other people out there with the podcast or what have you to to be concentrating on those ideas as well. What can we actually do to to affect this? Because we are let's let's not buy into their propaganda. We are not helpless little bugs being controlled and manipulated. No, we have a part to play in this. We are history's actors, and the history textbooks of uh, 2022 have not been written yet. We are in the process of writing this. So let's write a, a better narrative, a greater narrative as it were. So um, anyway, yeah. that's a lot to say. We've, we've talked about a lot. I think we've covered the bases today. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. It's about trying to find the solutions and, you know, in the middle of these problems. Yeah. For, for instance, I'm looking into having somebody on about how to, you know, do something to remove problematic things from your body in the context of what's being given while we're trying to stop them from continue to be given, you know, these kind of things, like we need to find yeah. ways to deal with this in the midst of this. And, you know, even as simple as take, you know, the kind of discussions of peer to peer economies, the agorism, you know, finding ways to kind of circumvent this monster system, even in the moment we're living in, you know, the, these are the real conversations we should be having on top of continuing to inform. So thank you for continuing your work, James. I really appreciate you being here today. And as always, everybody out there question, everything come to your own conclusions stay vigilant what the fourth industrial revolution will lead to is a fusion of our physical our digital and our biological identities the difference of this fourth uh, industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing it changes you if you take a genetic editing right. uh, just as an example it's you who are changed, yeah, and of yeah. course this has a big impact on yeah. your identity. Yeah. It is important to use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity. So people assume uh, we are just going back uh, to the good old world which we had, um, and everything will be normal again in how we are used to normal, in the old fashion. This is, uh, let's say, fiction. It will not happen. Um, the the uh, cut which we have now um, is much too strong uh, in order not to leave traces.